This is a recording for the Church of the Resurrection. We are an Anglican church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Our worship includes the proclamation of God's Word, the regular celebration of the Holy Communion, and an expectation that the Holy Spirit is active in the church and our lives. Please join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Boys and Girls Club on 824 East 14th Street. One of the things that brings me tremendous joy is hiking in the mountains. I don't know why exactly. I think it has something to do with the scenery, but I suppose you could just as well enjoy the scenery from the bottom of the mountain as from the top. So I don't know. Maybe I, I enjoy the exercise, the challenge, or maybe it's sitting at the bottom of a mountain and looking up there and being like, I'm going to go there. There's something immensely cool about the accomplishment of it. So it makes total sense that we chose to live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. <laughs> Bring this up because one writer talked about today's passage from the book of Hebrews in terms of, of hiking and visibility. That in Hebrews 11, um, that, that um, we've hiked up to a promontory, to, to a point where you can look backwards and you can see where you have been and you can see where you're going, and where the writer is saying, look into the past at God's steadfastness to his people. Look at these people in our past, in our heritage, and the way that God has promised them, and look at the way that God has fulfilled his promise, and now look forward at this, this assurance of things hoped for. So chapter 11 begins, it is as though we, the reader, are at a high place, and we can look back at Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Sarah, Enoch, and Noah. And then we look forward in hope and in faith. Would you turn with me to page seven in your bulletins so we can look at the reading from Hebrews together. Verse one says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It is not common for us to think of the words of assurance and faith to, to be used together. Isn't that strange for assurance and faith to be used together? Faith um, in today's uh, era uh, seems to mean something else almost entirely. I don't think it's a good thing. Uh, faith is a variety of meanings. It can mean trust in Jesus, or it can mean trust in something that's outrageous. We talk about things as in a leap of faith. Do you guys remember the Indiana Jones movie? Um, the, 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 the last one. There are only three made. Uh, what's it called? It's not the Last Crusade, right? Last Crusade, um, where there's a point where Indiana Jones has to actually make a leap of faith, where he's just standing on this ledge, and he just irrationally puts his foot forward, and his foot lands on what, what's this invisible, because it was blended in the scenery, bridge over this gaping chasm. So leap of faith, that's, that's kind of what our society today thinks of faith is. But the writer of Hebrews doesn't say that uh, our faith is a leap of faith, something irrational, something that is kind of the opposite of what a rational person would do. When the Bible speaks of faith, we speak of the trustworthy promises of God. And it is an assurance because we can look backwards and we can see the assurance of what God has done to his people. The God who came to Noah and told him of the judgment of the world that was to come. And Noah trusted him and built an ark and saved a remnant of the world, preserved part of God's creation. God who came to Abram 
and said, I will be your God and you will be my people. The God who promised Abraham and Sarah a child and that Abram would be the father of many nations. The faith that we are called to is grounded in the promises of God. We can see that he has been faithful to his word. Today's reading from Genesis we, we see Abram ask God about his promise. God has promised Abram that he will make of him a great nation. Well, in order to become a great nation, you have to start with one kid, right? And Abram's like, I don't have an heir yet. You promised this thing to me. Where's the fulfillment of that promise? He's like, uh, God, when is this thing going to happen? He reminds God that he remains child, childless, and it says that God brings him outside and he shows him the sky. And God says, look towards heaven. Number the stars if you can. But you can't. I mean, so shall your offspring be. There's something awe-inspiring about the night sky, something that we don't enjoy around here. Uh, there, there's a term for that. It's called light pollution. But when we look with the sky, what we see is a reflection of our lights on the ground. But if you can get into a wilderness area in a, in a moonless night, you look up in the sky, and it is an awe-inspiring thing. It's spellbinding. It's one of the few literally jaw-dropping sights in all of life when you can see the fullness of the Milky Way and, and just the, the billions of stars out there. It is an amazing thing. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 8. I mean, this isn't new to us in this day and age. The psalmist didn't even know anything about astronomy. They didn't, the psalmist didn't know that, there were, that these were stars that were... They didn't know about the measurement of light years and how big the universe is and how small we are. And yet the psalmist had the wisdom to write this in Psalm 8. He wrote, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? It's awe-inspiring that we will look at the sky, we see how big God is and how small we are. And yet the Lord cares for us. And we look up, and, and, and we should be increasingly awed by God and how big he is and his greatness in comparison to us and, and, and really overwhelmed by his love and care for us. And God used the stars as an illustration to Abram that his promise was sure. There's no doubt that when Abram looked up, he was mesmerized. He was like, before God even said anything, he took him outside. He's like, look up. And Abram's like, yeah, I know. I was just a guy living in Ur of the Chaldees. You came to me. You said you'd be my God. And God says, look at them. Look at them. You can't count them. I'm going to give you so many descendants, they're going to outnumber those stars in the sky. And Abram believed the Lord. But do you know how long it took God to fulfill his promise to Abram from the first time he came to Abram? Does, any, does anyone know how many years it took? 25 years. 25 years of Abram being like, is it now, Lord? Is it now? 
What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on today? What are you praying for? How long have you had to wait? I was sharing part of my past earlier this week with somebody, um, and I shared the story of my first you know, real job, my first full-time job out of college, and how uh, it was my dream job to work at a Christian school that God had, had planted the seed in my heart um, to help nurture the faith of students. Um, and, uh, and so my summer job, uh, after I graduated from college, I was kind of working um, with urban youth. It didn't pay very well. It had a very small stipend. So I supplemented that income by working um, at, at, at McDonald's at the drive-through. So I was, I, was, I was a walking cliche. I was, the, I was a guy with a degree in history who was asking people if they wanted fries with that. And uh, I mean, I was doing what I could to save up money. And people were just, uh, I remember my manager was like, so you wanna get a job paying less than what we're paying you here? That's your dream job? Just stay here. I'm like, no, no thanks. Like, this is what I really wanna do. I wanna do this, I wanna suffer for the Lord. But you know what? I didn't get a job. Not in June, not in July, not in August. I did not get a job until about 10 days before school started. Do you know what I think God was doing there? I think God was showing me that it wasn't me that got the job. God was saying, you're going to rely on me. Let's look at our psalm today. Our psalm is found on, on page 7. So we're all over the place in the bulletin. These readings work well together. Look at, uh, pay, uh, at verse 16 and 17. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, for by its great might it cannot rescue I do believe that sometimes the Lord makes us wait. It's a reminder that he has plans for us, that he is in control, and that is for us to rely on him. We don't always get an answer as to why, um, but sometimes that is the answer. We're waiting, um, and, and he wants us to, to know that it is him. How many times do we want to do things like, oh, I built that, I did that, and the Lord's like, no, I just want you to remember that it's me that did this. Um, we have people here with all kinds of gifts, gifts uh, that have manifested themselves in many careers. But do you remember the ways that the Lord has blessed you, that the Lord has provided opportunities, the ways that the Lord has guided you throughout that? That's what the Lord is looking for, for us to, to, to see evidence of him and his work on our behalf. God made Abraham wait 25 years until Sarah was 90 years old. So I'm not going to tell you why God did that because I don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. But when Sarah gives birth at age 90, you can be sure that they knew that it was the Lord who provided that baby. A few years before today's reading from Genesis 15, God took Abram to a land this was in Genesis 12. And it says there that there were Canaanites in the land. 
And the Lord said to Abram, to your offspring, I will give this land. I'm sure Abram's like, there's people here. How are you going to do that? The, the, the great old army of one of me and this future son you're promising, are we going to kick him out? Abraham never lived to see this promise fulfilled. This land that was promised to him. He never lived to see it. But we do. In the words of scripture, we get to see Abraham's people become a great nation. We get to see God provide for his people. We get to see God provide in the wilderness where they were like, we're here two days. Bring us back to Egypt. It was great there. Remember, we had fresh produce. We had cucumbers there. And what did God do for them in the desert? He provided them with manna from heaven. God was showing them he was going to provide for them. We are able to see Jesus come out of this people through this promise, through this people, that Jesus is here to save the world. The writer of Hebrews points to God's work through his people as the assurance of things hoped for. He's saying, look at back at all the things that God has done, that God is faithful to his promises. That he is the rock, that he is steadfast, that our faith is not in vain, it is not wishful thinking, we are not making a leap of faith. Our faith is in God's steadfast nature. He has proven himself to be faithful, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Do you remember the account of the resurrection from the book of John? How Jesus appears to all the disciples, except Thomas isn't there. And when they tell Thomas about it, he's like, I don't believe you. Unless I see the wounds for myself, and unless I place my hand in the wounds, I will never believe. Jesus has mercy on him and appears to him. But then he has some very pointed words. He says, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And this is the importance of scripture in our lives. Um, because what verse follows? It says, Jesus did many other things that have not been written down, but these are so that you may believe. We can, so so the, the writer to Hebrews here has this litany now of, of God's faithfulness to his people to Abraham, to Sarah, to Enoch, to Noah, to Abel. Um, they, they God, we have this litany of, of looking to the past. Today's reading from Genesis ends with a statement, Abraham, sorry, Abram believed in the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. The belief works a certain way in our life. We have the faith of Abel and Enoch and Noah. In verse eight in, in, in the reading from Hebrews today, um, the writer says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was going to receive his inheritance. inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. But the Lord came to him and he said, I'm going to give you a, a, a land. I'm going to be your God and you'll be my people. I'm going to make of you a great nation. And Abraham responded in faith, not knowing where he was going. We can't always see where we're going. We're always called to follow. 
Verse 13 reminds us of what I've already mentioned, that, that many of these people did not live to see these promises fulfilled. So let's think back to that, um, to the opening where I talked about climbing up a mountain and you're halfway up and you can look down and you can see this and you look forward and you can see the future. Of us looking back at our forebears, at those in scripture who heard God's promises and how we see them fulfilled in scripture. Let's think about the audience for this letter, about them being reminded that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. That's the idea of this letter. People are, their, their faith is, 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 is flagging, that, it's, that they needed, they needed uh, assurance, that they needed help in their walk. They needed reminding that Jesus is the solution to their problems, that he is the culmination of all things visible and invisible, that Jesus came to fulfill God's promise, and that he laid down his life for our, in our place, that we might become children of God. And having become children, we are now heirs. So what, what does this mean that we are now part of this kingdom and that we are in this place where we look back at God's promises and God's gifts and those things being fulfilled and then looking forward knowing that we may not get to see these things fulfilled? What does that look like? I have a pastor friend uh, who recently w went on social media to clarify that there was a faith healer coming to his town that was renting a space that they commonly use. And he wanted to make sure that everybody knew that, that they were in no way affiliated with this faith healer. And it was interesting because further down in the, com in the thread, someone was like, oh, what, is, what does he teach? Why is it that you want to distinguish between your church and this faith healer? And he said, well, I don't know this faith healer, but, but his teaching is that it's God's will, it's God's desire for everyone to be healed of all sicknesses and all infirmities. And that if you aren't healed, it's for some secret sin or some lack of faith. This is a, a, a wide view. I would say millions of people believe this, that God exists to make us happy and healthy and that if this doesn't happen, um, it's because we have some failure. We have a secret sin or a lack of faith. But these are not promises of scripture. As we look back at God's promises and how he fulfilled his promises, they point to something far greater than health and greatness in this life. Would you turn with me to page 10 in your bulletins? On page 10, we see the gospel reading. In the opening, Jesus says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. A big theme that we've been encountering throughout the, the several weeks, uh, the past several weeks of July and here into August is God's provision, is that God gives us everything. These readings from Luke, God wants to give you the kingdom. And part of our, our acceptance of that is that, is that we're able to, to, to let go our clinging grasp to those things which we so desire because the Lord is in charge. And although we can't see the future, we can cling firmly to the assurance of God's goodness and his work in our life. 
And God doesn't give us the things that we want, but he gives us the things that we need. So our prayer this morning is for us to desire the things that we need and not the things that we want. It's always hard to discern that, isn't it? At what point is God at what point do we pray for the thing that it seems like the most sense? When someone is ill, we pray for them. We pray for healing. And sometimes God's answer is no. So the discernment is, uh, Lord, what is it that you want us to pray for this morning? As we pray for your kingdom, as we pray as, as you desire to give us the kingdom, as Hebrews says, he has prepared for them a city, not just for them, but for us. Jesus says he is faithful to provide for us everything that we need. So what is it that we're waiting for? What, are, what thing are we waiting for the Lord to provide in our life? Is it healing? Let us look back at God's faithfulness to Abraham and to Sarah, to Isaac, to Jacob to David, to Noah, and to Enoch. And let us trust in the Lord who has proven himself faithful to his promises. Let us pray. Lord, give us strength. Um, give us strength to have the faith, um, to have the assurance of faith. Lord, let us not put our trust. We don't have armies. We are not a king. But let us not put trust in ourselves, Lord. But let us put trust in you for you to provide, for you to lead, and for you to guide. Lord, I pray this morning that, that, that we would have faith in your assurance. Um, and as, as we can't see the future, Lord, um, give us strength that you will be with us all the while. I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.